Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcoming in Ken from Ocho Durrell Parlay Hour, our final guest of the evening, Endicott native, lives literally over at the old apartment where, where I used to live, Justin, the, 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 the exact same place where I used to live. It's just I wish Look we still had that. Look at that 607 uh, on their shirts. Look at that 607. There it is. There I go, wish baby. we had that that Hulk Hogan-inspired artwork to be here to talk about, uh, to talk about wrestling uh, with these guys. But Ken, <laughs> welcome, brother. What is going on, Nick? What's going on, Justin? Thank you guys so much for everything you guys are doing. And I, I just got to say congratulations, first and foremost, on crushing the goal this year. God. I mean, people, I, I'm surprised every year. I'm blown away and surprised every year by it. Just amazing. Thank you. Thank no, you. Absolutely. Like, no, nobody, and I mean this sincerely, nobody uh, gets on social media and, and, and beats the drum louder for this thing in the podcasting community uh than ken maney does that's 100 percent fact uh i get tagged in or um, am adjacently tagged to 80 million things a week uh because of ken and i have to believe that that it definitely helped to increase the exposure of the event like hometown fucking beyond. hero bro hometown exactly. fucking hero exactly and me being someone that has not been able to come back up to my hometown in so long seeing that amount of support and love um it brings me right back to being there with you hanging out there downtown, you know, doing our thing. So no, I mean, thank it's you for great the to have words, a hometown I mean. show. Seriously. It, so excited to hear what you guys have to talk about tonight. So before well, I mean, that's big words coming from you guys. I mean, absolutely. And, and thank you. Before we get I mean, into just... uh, before we get into and I mean, man, look at that, that holographic uh, live stream for the cure five. I actually I'm so happy with myself that I got thank you cards out before the event this year instead of August uh three months after the event like last year last year was a uh, just a terrible year um but uh ken uh please you know take take a moment before we dive into what we're talking about today to talk about uh, a little bit about what ocho duro is all about uh well very simple i mean the name of the show is actually in honor of my late father and the very quick story is my family's always been very super supportive of doing a podcast and when we were in the planning process unfortunately my dad became uh sick with cancer and when unfortunately he lost his battle to cancer during the process that we were getting ready to start the podcast so when we got it started up again we were kind of kicking around names of like what to call it and he was always an avid craps player so he'd go out to vegas all the time and he'd uncannily throw a hard eight out of nowhere like when we needed to otherwise like we were going to try figuring out how we're getting home most of those nights so we figured <laughs> okay when well, we're going to do it why not call it Ocho Duro? And since we talk a parlay of topics each week, we talk sports, entertainment, just a whole plethora. We're like Ocho Duro Parlay, and we try keeping it within an hour. So we know it's a mouthful. That's why we just call it the ODPH podcast. I love it. I'm here for it. And I mean, uh, words just escaped me. Nick, don't make me do a fucking suplex on your ass. I'll give you the razor's edge. Come on, baby. Then the sharpshooter. I I hate him so much. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, 
I mean, uh, the floor is yours. I mean, I I know that that you've got a topic queued up. I I didn't get a chance to make a list, unfortunately, because I've been just I've, I've been a little busy with stuff. Um, but I'm still here for the entire conversation because I absolutely love wrestling, especially from this era. Uh, so what are we talking about today? Well, first and foremost, let me introduce my co-host here. You know him from 8122 Productions, the Three Fat Nerds podcast, Horror Zone 607, twitch.tv slash 607 podcast, where we talk wrestling each and every Thursday on Twitch. Rich Coriel. No, oh, thank you. Thank you. Rich. Welcome, welcome. Rich. Wait. I'm Way so sad that Gerald's camera wasn't so on go. just then because Dan, <laughs> you know, I, I Dan was just on the dance out. floor back here, back here behind Gerald's camera doing the, doing the the hulking no, up no, no, no. yeah and no, the no, camera no, no, was no, off why, why is why is dan not on for this i know he's tired but dan's a big fucking wrestling fan why the fuck isn't he on the segment i, I was him. expecting dan to be on here he's bleeding out slowly on the floor all right all right <laughs> all right i was i was hoping he'd be on but all right but we figured for this year because last year we came on we were talking the worst video game movies ever and ironically we might have brought the snyderverse back to the big screen uh, mentioned about Injustice Snyderverse because now there's an animated movie coming out. We were talking Mortal Kombat. We just had that debut in the theaters. So this year we figured, okay, we want to talk some pro wrestling since that's what we do every Thursday. But we want to take it back to an era that just stands out on itself. And we figured, what better era than the 1980s where gimmicks Woo! were so bad and yet so good at the same time. And we figured that'd be kind of a nice little segue to do. So if you have some guesses in the chat of what's the best and worst gimmicks, Please throw them in there, and we're just gonna get started and rock and roll with that. Yeah, please so over rich. there in the chat. Just you know, um, if, if the, even even if you just have like the most memorable uh, '80s wrestling gimmicks, get them over there in the chat. I, I would love to join you guys in my half-assed, half-drunken. I drank a bunch of scream drinks with sugar in them. Nonsense. I don't <laughs> know what I'm doing, but I still want to do a list because wrestling is my shit. Nick yeah, knows it. We love wrestling. Um, but I have to ask this question because you guys are from our, well, my hometown at least. How many Raws have you been to in Binghamton? Seven. That's okay. Five. Okay. Seven. That's all I need to hear. I've only been to three. Um, Seven front row for three of them. And in fact, my one friend uh, was completely ripped apart by Jim Cornette. I oh, love wow. Cornette. He's my favorite. Cornette's my boy, dude. Cornette's my yeah, boy. So um, that's he, amazing. My my friend was ripping into him, and then Cornette just told him, he goes, this is what happens when a baby doesn't get enough oxygen. <laughs> and they pan the camera right to him. And he's like, why are you son of Oh, hi, America. Uh... <laughs> I wish I had the videotape for it still, but it's like that's one of the most the best epic thing moments. I've ever fucking heard that's on amazing. the live stream for the cure. Jim Cornette saying that. Oh, God. yeah. I can't Just wait to see you guys on camera. It was it was amazing to see. But yeah, no, we we've gone to wrestling. Uh, Rich has actually worked in the wrestling business for some time. Yeah, you want to speak on that? Do, you know, do you know Keith Zimmer at all? Or oh, I know. Uh, yes, I do know Keith Zimmer. But I worked okay. for uh, mostly for Square Circle Wrestling out of uh, Syracuse, and then later Excite Wrestling. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, and Johnny Moose is an old friend of mine too. So I, I know. We, we frequent Excite Wrestling down here in the Oakdale Mall quite often. When they're My good shows. buddy, my old uh, guitar player, Jeff Greeno, was Anarchy. I'm sure you guys yeah. know who he is. Yeah, so, yeah okay. he still works um, for Excite. Yeah, so we're all connected in that way. Yeah. I thought so, so. Awesome. Amazing. 
All right. So, yeah. So we're going to talk some 80s wrestling. Would you like to kick us off? We're going to do the worst ones first because we want to get that out of the way because we want to end the stream on a good note because we don't want to keep rehashing the worst of the worst because trust us, there's a lot to deep dive into. <laughs> yeah, no, you, guys, you, you, guys, you guys go right ahead, obviously. Nick is uh, Nick knows a lot about 80s wrestling, actually. JVD, thank you so much but... for a $20 donation. Also gave you no. guys a shout out. Best guys in podcasting show enough. Oh, <laughs> uh, we appreciate that. That's crossover collision right there. JVD and Evan, the great shout out to those guys. We talk Potter and family a lot. Those guys are Potter and family. Amazing guys. I'm just so excited. Awesome. Like, honestly, on my end to have hometown heroes here talking about fucking wrestling. So this is so exciting. So guys, jump right in, please. Hey, right. you want me to go first? Yeah, let, Rich, why don't you kick us off? Uh, my, my number 10 is pretty Paul Roma. Oh, God. Pretty, <laughs> worst wrestler when he come on worst gimmick worst wrestler worst horseman come yo that, that's a fact i didn't think we could <laughs> really more than okay not, i wasn't expecting it to go I, there i don't but... think i i think mongo had at least the, the dog yeah he had the dog that was it that, yeah. that was better that makes him better paul roma yeah but i mean paul roma i mean first and foremost let's break this down <laughs> paul roma came in and they tried doing the imitation rockers before they did the rockers with the young stallions yep and how bad? Yeah, how bad was that? They just had coats, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> young, this is the young stallions suck, dude." Oh yeah, oh, they're yeah. the worst. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, they were jobbing left and right, and they're like, "Okay, let's put them together," and they were oh. still jobbing left and right. But it's still just awful, just awful top to bottom. Definitely, I agree with you. Uh, so what's your number ten? Uh, my number ten, I went with the Mountie. Because first and foremost, we break up. A great tag team in the Poor bastard. Brothers. Poor fucking bastard. Seriously. He even knew Bret Hart. Poor <laughs> bastard. And then they go, okay, we're going to make you a, a Mountie. I will say it was seeing fun shooting the taser gun into people. Yes, the, the cattle prod. The cattle prod. I mean, that was something. But, I mean, ultimately it was like, where are we going with this? And, I mean, and when they had the big battle with him and the big boss man, and then it was like loser wound up a night in jail. I mean, it was completely 80s writing, but still just awful yeah definitely 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 a bad one uh my number nine though was corporal kirshner the Ooh. john rambo knockoff Ooh. but never got over the way they wanted him to yeah imitation sergeant slaughter although he has a really great match online from japan with him versus leatherface where he actually calls himself rambo instead of corporal kirshner I, mean, so. I don't mean to cut in, into you guys but i'm actually curious to see how many people on each one of your lists actually did get over if if they're this bad, I can't wait to see you. If, if there's anyone that has a redeeming factor on this list. Oh, is there any redeeming? Uh, well, for the worst ones, uh, I mean, there's a couple people who actually have made well, Because these, a, these a are the top. Player. These are the top. They're not the worst, so I, I'm very curious. Well, technically, the, 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 this is the lower end, though. We It gets it gets a lot worse. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> but there, then we have a top 10 best, so that's the, that's the better part. The best ones are actually the fun ones. But, I can't uh, wait. You want to do 10 worst first. Well, yeah, positive. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we just we have to get the balance out to it. I mean, because yeah. when you think about the '80s and just how like over the top everything was, uh, mine next were from WCW, the Ding Dongs. Oh, look, dude, they look like a, Among Us. Oh my god, with cowbells ringing through they the entire so match. They look so fucking stupid, dude. Don't, didn't they hold like a fucking a weird bell with a fucking bull on it and some shit? It was yeah, like an yes. orange outfit with a fucking bell on the logo. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. The entire time they're ringing the fucking bell, like, and it's so bad. Dude. Like, there's, there's not even like heel heat for it. It's just like booing them completely out of the building just to get the hell out of the arena. 
And the, and the worst part about it is the promoter at the time did not realize that Ding Dongs was also a nickname for one's uh, male genitalia. So he sent them out there thinking Bell, and then when people started chanting other things, he was like, well, why are they doing that? True story. <laughs> Should probably look into Did, that Didn't first. they start in the NWA? <laughs> and they, they were only yes, in the WCW for very long. Uh, yeah, Yeah, they That's were only in WCW for about four or five matches. That's what I thought. I thought it was like not less than a year or something. Yeah, they, they didn't make it the way that they were hoping. <laughs> Uh, my number eight, he didn't have much success other than in a tag team with somebody I know that's on your list later on, and that would be Hercules Hernandez. Of course, I'm talking Jim Powers. Uh, oh he was just a second member of Power and Glory. That was everybody, what he was remembered for. He left, and uh, he left because he thought he was worth more money, and then he ended up not showing up on WCW or anything else, so I guess he lost that argument. Yeah, he faded out very quick. Yes, but he had one one shining moment that wasn't very shining, as half a power and glory. But say this, yeah. boys. Say this. I just want to get your opinion on this as I'm going to cut in here very okay. rudely. Oh, this is how this is how wrestling commentary goes, as you know. Um, <laughs> he had a great fucking dude. He had a great physique. <laughs> oh, he had yeah. a great he had a great wrestling physique, Hercules. I thought he looked fucking amazing. Oh yeah. And that Definitely. fucking fur, the, the fur fucking thong that they had on him and all that shit. But you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, then they along came the Ultimate Warrior that did uh, like the same three, four moves that Hercules did. So he looked a lot more impressive. But outside of that, he he looked like a wrestler. So oh. Jim Powers, but ugh. yeah, they looked the part. But man, when you got him in the ring, they just couldn't do anything. I mean, especially for like Hercules, to even jump jump ahead there. I mean, all he had was a chain, but he never did any big lifting. Yeah, how, how are you gonna there. call him that character? How are you gonna portray the character with that name and not have him do anything? Like he's not doing any huge lifts or huge slams yeah. or anything like that they were all weaker moves and stuff he looked fine for what he was but oh yeah yeah he's definitely he he, he's definitely no like, he's definitely all remember. Looks more. that's true who did you have in your number what was that eight slot yeah my number eight uh kind of spinning off Cor corporal kirshner a little bit because for a brief second if you've ever seen espn 4 p.m during the 80s and little 90s there was the awa and Sergeant oh, Slaughter yes. was over there for, yes. for a bit. And yes. at one point, he took Greg Gagne under his wing oh, no. to make him into a soldier to be his tag team partner. And basically, he was trying to do these vignettes where like Gagne was coming out and just being like a G.I. Joe wannabe. So I give it to the Rambo version of Greg Gagne for this oh, one. Because he came out face paint, camouflage, and the whole nine. It was absolutely awful. I, I almost forgot that that happened. Oh, yeah. I said I went, I went diving for this. When you talk about Greg Gagne, though, he was a guy that was only in wrestling because who his dad was, mm. and he got yeah, he but was he, a he perfect example lot, of a kid. You guys know he gets brought oh, up he, a I lot. Mean, he, I hear, he I hear his some name. talent. Cornette brings him up all the time on their show, all the time, and then it, it's weird that he brings him up that often with someone that's never gotten the limelight in the way that he probably should have, if he could have, you know? Right, right. Well, it was it was one of those things where you push your you push your kid too much, and it gets to the point where people have pushed it down your throats. And then when other guys are like, "Hey, take a step back for this baby face or that baby face," you know, Kurt Hennig was getting over very well, and but yet they were trying to like push it as Greg Gagne was like his his like equal, and people are like, "No, no, 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 you you shouldn't go in that direction." It was kind of just a mistake that sometimes people make, and you see it with promoters a lot with their family members and kids, and and that's what he suffered from. In the ring, he was technically sound. He just wasn't. I don't think he was believable to be a guy who is going to knock off the top order especially he, in he didn't get over and, enough uh, yeah he didn't get over no, yeah 
not not in AWA. Look at the top end of the AWA talent, and even in the '80s, before they all went to Vince, were you know you, you had Hogan prior to his leaving. Mm-hmm. You had Kurt Hedig, uh, Scott Hall was there. I mean, you had a lot of like big name guy who would go on to be these big gigantic stars, and then you have Greg Gagne who was being put over these guys, and nobody accepted it. So unfortunately yeah. for him, and then pairing him with slaughter like why yeah <laughs> i like, legitimately why, sarge the first time i ever saw him i thought he was some guy lost and he wandered in the ring because i was like he does not look like a wrestler <laughs> and, and and just seeing him and then his finisher was a drop kick and they get back up and give him another drop kick yeah it was like how is that a finisher well remember for a long time he was partners with jumping jim brenzel yeah before he left it for wwe and then became part of the killer bees yeah beat brian blair yeah, they did oh, not make either God. one of them. Oh God, we're bringing back very deep, dark memories. No one wants to think about. <laughs> Even better when they were heels and they would wrestle under masks. Yeah, only only when they wanted to pull the switcheroo. Yep. <laughs> pull mask, no mask. But then all of a sudden they're like, okay, we're gonna switch spots. Put the mask on. Like the ref didn't see that coming. I know, and like body shape wise, they were completely different too. So, but it's oh, yeah. just referee logic. <laughs> you can't you know, like that is one perfect thing about the eighties. We have to say. Oh jeez. Uh, let's move on. I got I got a guy here, for, classic for bad gimmicks, but let's go with his original gimmick, the One Man Gang. Oh, I mean, listen, the One Man Gang was a was a poor man's King Kong Bundy. I hated the like mohawk gimmick they gave him. They tried to make him a badass from Asbury Park when you already had Bam Bam. Yeah, Bam Bam was so classic. I'm just saying, Bam Bam. Bam was Bam is one of the best ever. Bam Bam oh, is yeah. so underrated. He doesn't get mentioned enough in wrestling. Oh, talk, definitely. I feel like. Definitely. I think he's one of the greatest big men ever to wrestle. I mean, let's be honest. Nobody's ever seen him in a match get blown up. Nobody's ever seen him like he was tired. And that dude was 300 plus pounds his whole career. Dude, he's like he, he always, health. he had, the, he was a powerhouse. And, and oh, when yeah. I say powerhouse in terms of like, when you saw his arms and his shoulders and his back go over his opponent, you knew automatically whatever oh, yeah. move he was putting on him, they were done. Oh yeah. I just yeah. I just love the strength of Bam Bam. He was oh, yeah. still to this day. He, it doesn't get mentioned enough. I feel like uh in terms of like, you know, the message board crowd as I called it from the late 90s, mm-hmm. but in, in terms of like internet talk and stuff, um when you watch shoot interviews, Bam Bam does not get mentioned enough. I feel like. No, definitely not. But like I said, one man gang was definitely not the way to go with it. He was King Kong Bundy and then like I said, Bam Bam was a better wrestler from Asbury Park. So it kind of like took away from his Shine, who did you have at number seven? The genius, Lanny Poffo. Oh, because, because he comes out looking like the valid Victorian. <laughs> and I mean, first he went from throwing Frisbees into the crowd into then now he's swimming. With his them. poems? Yeah. Well, the oh, poems were, the poems were on <laughs> for that time. I mean, that was, that was okay. But then coming out as a genius and like you're trying to just overhype it up too much. And then, I mean, obviously he's gone through different cycles with it. It was just like, oh my God, like, what are you doing there wearing your valid Victorian cap? Like, but it was, it was perfect 80s though, but it's still so bad. Never has a guy. Once again, you talk about it. He had like all those positions and stuff. Cause he just happened to be the brother of the macho man, Randy Savage. Facts. I mean, it's easy to be like, Hey, you're going to hire me. Cause I'm macho man's brother. And that's kind of like how he lived his life. And it's currently how he's living. Nice guy though. I, I, I've, I've met him a few times. He's a very nice gentleman. So is he, is he I, great? Uh, is yeah, he on the really, new really uh, cool. A&E? He's on the new A&E documentary about Macho, right? Yeah. 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 yeah he's, so. He does all of those. He's, like I said, he's a real nice guy, but he just never, he never got the connection with the crowd or was ever as popular as the Macho Man. And I think that, I think somewhere that scorns him a little bit because, uh, you know, all brothers, you know, yeah. you want, you want, you want to succeed. You want your brother to succeed, but you don't ever want him to be better than you. And in that case, Randy was like <laughs> leaps and bounds. Well, I mean, I mean, like, let, let's face it, Macho Man, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. 
mm-hmm. out of the out of the top ten most memorable wrestlers of all time. Oh, oh, when we get to that list, oh, you trust me, he'll be on the the high end. Yeah, let's be honest. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, let's just roll through that because when I get to the memorable list, I think a lot of those ones are going to be the the creme de la creme, if you will. Creme de la creme. Uh, so I'm at number six. I mentioned my first tag team here, Rhythm and Blues. Now, mind you, I didn't have a problem with Honky Talk or Greg Valentine by themselves. However, together, yeah. not so good. Yeah, I I just could not get into them as all. And But that was something that you know started really in the 80s. You see the singles wrestlers get paired together if they thought they had similar gimmicks and kind of see where they went. And, I mean, it was like the Honky Tonk Man was the Honky Tonk Man, but did he need another Elvis with him? I mean, that's the kind of question you got to ask about that. Right on. I got you. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it was like, I, I agree with you, though. I mean, that was an awful gimmick. And they kept adding more people to it. Like, they kept building an entourage up. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, who'd you have at uh, number six? So, my number six, uh, I was talking about tag teams. The Powers of Pain After They Separated. The Warlord and the Barbarian. Oh, come on. I love Barb. I mean, they went from being <laughs> the Road Warrior light. To being these over-the-top gimmicks. Yeah, to being they were... Metal Man Warlord? Yeah, Metal Man Warlord, who looked like he was a bad <laughs> Superman villain. That you just completely are going like, what are you doing here? You belong in Superman 5, The Quest for Peace 2. And then you had the Barbarian, which, I mean, I didn't even understand what the hell was going on with his outfit. Uh, he was a barbarian. I, I don't know. I, I I still don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was just such a weird. That's I guess what Vince thought a barbarian looked like. Yeah. So, also, I mean, it, it was it was only his, his his costume was only far enough to hide his the tip of his dick. <laughs> the fur only lasted long enough to get to the tip of his dick. So if he oh, got yeah. hard during Ooh. a match, that could be that could be a situation where you have an iron sheik moment. Yes, sheiky Oof. baby. Whew. Uh, number five, talking about a guy who wants to talk about, uh, you know, not covering up the dick anymore. We're talking about Virgil. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Virgil, My first of all, started God. off as a, a rib. Oh, here comes on, Nick. Uh, fa- you mentioned Dusty Virgil. Rose. Here comes Nick. Nick's in here. That's he terrifying. heard Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Virgil, Virgil, though, man. Come on. What Ribbon, fucking uh, dead Rose space of a character? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> God in heaven. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the point. It's He, he was just not a good character. That's why he made the list. But he couldn't be the top of the list because there's some worse ones in my opinion. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. He was an awful character. And then he still was going, and, and they still – remember they brought him back in the NWO? Yes. Like, I know we're talking decades Vince, later. Dude, he, he's yes, background. He was background. Angle. Yeah, but he was still just pointless because all he could do, literally, his entire character is just to stand there. (laughs) Dude, he's just there with his shirt on with some fucking acid-washed jeans on, standing there with rips in his knees. Oh, my God. I'm Virgil. (laughs) He didn't do nothing. No. Well, they just turned turned the gimmick around. Like, there was originally a rib for Dusty Rose's name, and then it was a rib on Vince McMahon's name. Yeah. That's all they did with that guy's career, unfortunately for him, but... Uh, now, you know, he's getting that uh, Olive Garden money. That's a whole other topic there. Who do you have at five? So my five was, already mentioned, Hercules Hernandez. That, I mean, we ta- we kind of already talked about. It looked like a million bucks, but really was like a buck fifty in the ring. Just had nothing to it. Didn't do any slams. Just had the chain that, I- I'm sorry, like, you'd never really use it. Even a weapon, they never use it for, like, a disqualification. Like, here and there, but... 
It was like also Hercules always looked like he was on crack, dude. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Always yeah. on crack. He he probably was. Yeah. <laughs> just allegedly, eyes, man. allegedly, allegedly. I've never met him, but I, I'm just saying, like, whoo. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I mean, what else can you really say about that? And then when they pair him with in power and glory. It's just like bad to worse. Like, the you don't worst part lower. is there is a Survivor series where one of the sole survivors is Hercules Hernandez. God, I forgot. Power and glory. That. It was the Ted DiBiase's team. He was the sole survivor of the team. You're like, how the fuck did Hercules Hernandez get through? Yo, if, if how? Bruce, how was somebody if, like if, hey, if, if, if Bruce Pritchard had anything to do with that, go and lynch his ass. <laughs> <laughs> go fuck. Go give him another heart attack. Seriously. Oh, geez. beat him. He'd probably just be like. Oh, he was a star. No, no, he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't. No, epic fail. Number four is the only guy on any of my lists that's made it twice, and that is, of course, I talked about the one-man game, but come on, Akeem, the African dream, mostly known, mostly known for his dancing with his manager Slick, and secondly, known for being partners with the big boss man in the the Twin Twin Towers. Towers. Wow, he was a bad, he was a bad wrestler when he was just one-man gang, so what are we going to do? Put him in the uh, African dream situation and dance horribly with the the Reverend Slick, which I love Slick. Yeah, Doctor Style forever, <laughs> but that was just such a bad idea, top to bottom, and Ugh. just it, even when there were the, the the Twin Towers, it still wasn't even saving it. Yeah, there was just nothing redeemable no. about that at all. Bad gimmick. Who do you got it for? Uh, talking about family members, Bruce Barber Beefcake. Woo! I mean, isn't he? Well, isn't he Hogan's stepbrother? Or there's Thank their stepbrothers. Yes. Christ! Somebody put this on their list because holy <laughs> fuck! He was one of his best boys, though. He was like one of his right hand men. Like, I mean, and, well, like, that's the, how he made a living. It always just yeah, that's how he got by. Because remember, he made a vented in a SummerSlam. It was a I'm so happy I have I you as my best how? friend. Why? Hogan. Yeah, I mean, thank you, podcast uh, Rob, Hogan. for the raid. Hair with those big spears, and it was just like. Like, what do you do when you wrestle somebody that's bald? Like, we never had that match happen. You know what no. would have put? You know What's what really would have put Brutus the Barber Beefcake over for me is if he would have cut Virgil's fucking head off with his giant <laughs> scissors. Yeah, oh, that would have been epic. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, especially because like I said, he came out with those huge garden shears. It's like, what are you doing? That m- ridiculous mullet he had. Ugh. Yo, yeah. Had, yeah, but yeah. listen, that's what I strive for. I want to be as cool as that, though. Like right now. I'm gonna go to the bar after we're done with this event. You'll get there eventually. My, Another ten years or so. Cool. You might get I there. I want to be like that jacked and look like that much like a a beefcake. That's a barber Jesus. named Brutus. You know what I'm saying? Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just once you think like it couldn't get any worse, he just kept getting bigger shears. Oh yeah. And, and then finally, he just oh, went yeah. away, and then he came back and so bad. Yeah. I mean, imagine so if he was still around when they when they got ECW and. They could have put some people oh, in the ring with that. Oh, dull those oh. cheers there. Never good. Yeah, there Never is good. nothing redeeming about that. Yeah, him and ECW got eaten alive by that Philly crowd. So my number three, you know, he mentioned Bruce Pritchard a minute ago. My number three is the inventor, the reason the box of gimmicks was invented, the Red Rooster. Oh. First of all, I'm not a big fan of Terry Taylor. I know there's a lot of people who are. But oh, the God. Red Rooster in particular, like, come on, he was out there. You guys, one of the one of the worst wrestling things ever. Yeah. But 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 oh. obviously, you guys know when talking about it, it has to be brought up. It's always going to be very mm-hmm. popular with your audience because of the fact that it's it's so insane that that even happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was it was horrible. I mean, the dude was managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan when he was a heel, mm-hmm. and then he had a WrestleMania match against 
Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. <laughs> WrestleMania 5, <laughs> the night the mega powers explode, we also get the Red Rooster versus Bobby Heenan on the undercard. Only in wrestling, folks. Oh, yeah. Only right. in wrestling. And, uh, of course, Bruce Pritchard to this day defends it. Uh, allegedly, there is a there is a long rumor from Terry Taylor that said that the this is where the box of gimmicks started. He alleged that originally when he came in, he was supposed to get the Mr. Perfect gimmick. There is some there there is one there is one episode, actually one clip from something to wrestle where Mm -hmm. Bruce actually slightly kind of takes some shit for it and admits Mm -hmm. that it's garbage, but then he very quickly pushes it off to another subject. But I think he's acknowledging it. I think he has to. Oh yeah. He's getting up there. He's gonna have to acknowledge how shitty of a gimmick that was, and that was his whole idea, and, you know, yeah. so... It was a horrible fucking gimmick. Like, there's no, no justification for <laughs> it. But like, again, I don't think... I, I still... I, I mean, he I, was young. He was still young. Let, let's keep in mind, we can't blame him as much for that time as we can blame him from the shit that they're doing now, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I'll, well, I'll stand yeah. aside. Well, once I'll again, stand aside. The 1980s was a strange place. Yeah. Weird times. Who did you have at three, by the well, way? Well, just quickly address in chat, JVD. Uh, Manitar was 90s, so I, I couldn't so have So the Godwin. Oh, my the God. I wanted guns. to bring that up so bad, guys. I had that on a list. Just <laughs> oh. I wanted to talk to you guys. I wanted to hear your opinion on this. So, please, give me, like, two minutes. Please, you, give me something okay. about you this got character. Because that ahead. fucking – I saw the mask live, dude. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> so fucking big. Yeah. Come on. Give me something on that. Please. Oh, wait, a, a Manitar? Yes, please. Uh, Mantar, Mantar was a horrible gimmick. <laughs> that was from a time in the '90s. It would have been like picking easily because back then there was super bad gimmicks. Like you had the goon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought it up on the the podcast on Three FN on I think for patrons. We brought up Fantasio and we like had him on the mime. We we played the entire match that he was in, the one and only match where he was the mime magician. Oh shit! You had him on you the know? show and everything. Yeah. No, no, we no, brought no, up no. the no, we, oh, no, we okay, brought oh, up okay, the video. Okay. I don't think anybody's seen this guy in years. <laughs> like literally, I think after he went on to like Shock and Awe was the tag team he was in. They called they called himself Shock, and then he reappeared. I think in 2018 briefly to make some money off the Fantasio gimmick. But outside of that, he's been pretty much out of wrestling. But uh, I had to bring. I, I had also, to bring up this Abe gimmick. Overall, because of the fact that I knew that I couldn't talk. In the middle of you guys, I was told I need to behave myself, uh, even okay. though I'm a huge wrestling fan. But that was one of the biggest gimmicks <laughs> I want to hear out of anyone's mouth. I want to hear it from somebody. I just want to hear you guys either shit on it, love it, or whatever it may be for the time remaining you guys have. Okay, which which one? Minotaur. Yes, yes. Hot garbage. Like, like, <laughs> like I don't even know like how. Nick, you remember it. You remember it. Like, seriously, it was just, like, the worst. Oh, like, you have to remember, 90 was, like, the year he came out, and 90 was such a bad year for gimmicks. Like, I had to cross out half my list because he had PN News. Let's not forget <laughs> about him. Arachna Man, which, okay, WCW, we're going to slide this one under Marvel. Like, nobody's going to realize that that's supposed to be fucking Spider-Man. And the gobbledygooker. <laughs> but Mantar is, the, like, a, a, is an interesting specimen. He, first of all, Let's when, hear you're it. Wearing, Let's hear it. when you're wearing that big hat for no reason, and it's, dude, it's so like this people, fucking thing. It's like this fucking people, like, huge like, over your head, man. Yeah. I think I think it was Jim Cornette one time was like, you see this guy walking around, and you're like, how the what the fuck is the purpose of the hat? You can't, <laughs> in the ring. You can't use it as a weapon. It's and you can't see you walking can't out see to the ring either. It. Yeah. 
And so then when he takes it off, he's just got these, like, I don't know, like, eye horn things onto his bald head. Yeah, it looks like that. And I'm still, and he looked like he was wearing, like, if Barbarian wore a singlet. That's what he was wearing. Like, he should have tag teamed with Barbarian when he was wearing all the fur. And that, I I just never got the point of the character. He's he's not just a man. He's a mantar. Like, come on. And they tried to sell it hard on television. Oh, they went with it, too. That was a good two months run. But I have, my final question is, what was worse, him or Bastion Booger? Mantar. <laughs> well, yeah, because Bastion Booger at least had the food eating thing. Yeah, at least he had s- something redeemable. But yeah, no, you, you took a look at him coming down the ring, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on here?" <sighs> like Mantar. <laughs> like I say, yeah, the nineties. Can't escape Mantar. No, you you definitely can't get out of that one. <laughs> so, that being said, all right. So next up, I, I, is it my turn on the list? Yes, it's uh, you're at three. My number three. Sorry, I fucked you guys up. I just I just wanted to hear you guys. No, no. No, 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 that's fine. I, wa- no, I literally wanted to suffocate you guys and fuck with you. I'm sorry. The good thing is, is, is there's there's <laughs> no, nobody no, behind no, I mean, you like guys, so ninety. You guys can run over. You guys can run over the time. Like you guys don't and have to also, worry about another Nick, guest coming Nick in knows, to chase away. Nick knows how much I love fucking wrestling and how much he loves wrestling he hates, and how we're Justin like, hates wrestling. Don't don't. I'll wrestle you me. right now. I'm going to drive up there I right can't now. wait. I, I can't wait. I haven't heard his name yet, but I can't wait to shit on one of my most hated 80s gimmicks of all time. Okay. All right. Well, my number three is the Brooklyn Brawler. Because terrible gimmick. Yes. The ripped shirt. <laughs> the jeans. Terrible gimmick. Michelle, thank you very, very much for your $50 donation. Thank but you very much. Oh, thank, you very, thank you very Let's much. Let's make it thank clear. You. Let's make it clear. He's not one of the worst wrestlers, though. I've seen oh, way no, worse wrestler wrestlers with bigger no, pushes. He yeah, is great. Yeah, like for being in the in the eighties there. But yeah, the yeah, gimmick, yeah. like he had to reinvent himself. So we're gonna make you a guy from Brooklyn. Poor he bastard. Comes out with that cheap ass. Poor cigar. fucking bastard. Had it been like Brooklyn now, he'd be oh, one of no, the biggest yeah. fucking. He'd be he'd be getting over like a motherfucker. Oh yeah. Oh, you're not completely hipster. Oh, dude, it was so bad. But I mean, even back then, in that one point, juncture, they made him look homeless. Yeah, that, that was the weird part about it. And he just kept kind of progressively. That, that, that was the first time I saw him in Binghamton. When I saw him there, it was a house show, oh, yeah. and he literally walked in like that. And I was like, I literally thought he was homeless. And my dad said, "Don't touch that guy," because we saw him outside. <laughs> he was outside walking in with the outfit on. Um, I feel so terrible about yeah. that because now I know who he is. But yes, um, Brooklyn Brawler. Then, later on, you find out that he is the guy who's training most of the talent. Yeah. Like that's the weird part. A about great it. fucking wrestler. A great wrestler. That, yeah. Oh yeah. But that's wrestling. Only in wrestling are you talented, but yet you have the worst gimmick ever. Yeah. I remember Iron Mike Sharp beating him in Binghamton. That's even worse. Yeah. Like <laughs> what year was that? Was that the same time I saw him? What year was that? I've seen. I saw. Uh, I saw. I saw Brooklyn Brawler twice in Binghamton when I was real little, real small. Eighty-seven. I want to say. Yeah. I think I, seven eighty eight. Okay, okay. That would probably be that would. That's that would after my time. That's right after my time. Period. Okay. Yeah, uh, I've never seen Iron Mike Sharp lose in Binghamton too. By the way, I gotta throw that out there. Every time I saw him wrestle, he he won a match. It was like, I don't oh. understand how he wins in Binghamton. <laughs> I don't know. Like seriously, he's like four zero, and like it's Nick, well, when, when was your first Raw, man? I know you went and saw a Raw, right? Raw? Hell, since oh, my microphone's yeah, turned on, nah, no, I even like even in Binghamton, I've never been, I've never been to a raw event. Done with it. Never went to a raw? No, oh, never. I think I've, the worst I've never... raw I ever went to was when the air conditioner went out. Oh yeah, that was horrible. 
The best one was probably the Steve Austin one. Oh yeah, Steve Austin one was epic. What year was that? The I think Silver I was there. Video page. Huh? What year was that? Uh, Steve, Steve Austin, Austin one you... was ninety six. Rub my bones. It was man. when he was feuding with Bret Hart. Okay, that, that, that's that's when I, that was my last time there before I had to move oh, away. There you go. That was a great. That was probably the best raw ever done. The only other one that was good was the surprise was Kurt Angle for the draft. But you're, you guys are talking about the raw where um, the they did the. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, you're fine. You guys are talking about the the raw where. It's the ambulance scene that they yes, shot, yeah, right? Yes, yep, that's the okay. I just yep. want to make sure. Yeah, I was there for that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. A, that was one of, the about the same one. one of the ones they showed to this day on their clips. So Binghamton had one memorable raw, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to make sure because anytime they talk about it on shoot interviews, when you try to remind when anyone <laughs> interviews, like, where were you? And they're like sitting there like they're looking in the air like they always forget. Hampton, <laughs> so, the Hamptons. Though, we were in the Hamptons. Even, even, even though Binghamton was a, uh, oh, you yeah. guys know the history. They'd I say it wrong. Binghamton. Uh, yep. Binghamton was a huge wrestling town growing up. Oh, I didn't yeah. even know it until much later. I didn't had no idea. We were we were one of the towns that day uh, was one of the first matches for Razor Ramon when he first came to WWE. We were the first town that Mick Foley wrestled as the Mankind gimmick. Mm-hmm. But and when Triple H came back from his quad injury. He actually wrestled a dark match in Binghamton before debuting on Raw. Yeah, and then uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Shawn Michaels, when he came back from the head injury yep. from being jumped, he came back at a post-Raw King of the Ring qualifier match against King Kong Bundy in Binghamton. Kind of an interesting, you know, it's always an interesting gambit with the Binghamton crowd, but then they moved on to bigger, better markets, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Veterans Memorial uh, Arena just can't uh, can't pack in the crowd like uh, like the like the bigger cities. Pack again, it in, roll tight. Pack it oh, in, no. roll tight. Pack him in oh, real no, good and tight. Where is he is. hanging? I've I've got him in here. Don't get you him, worry. Get him. Pack him in he, real good and tight. There he is. He, he he texted me earlier and said he was so upset. He was so upset over the fact that you guys argued and that he wants he's, to settle it and he wants a final showdown. He's he's saying he's working at Alamo right now. He's mad. He's mad. He's, apparently, he feels he feels that he was one upped. Tell night. him, tell him to tell Gary Oldman to try harder in uh, the next Harry Potter movie. Listen, I can't tell him. He want he expects it from you. He wants a full. He want, that's what he was saying earlier, and I couldn't believe it because I had food poisoning or whatever the Got fuck last night. Freely. I went to bed earlier, and he was like, "Yeah, Nick's done." Three in the morning, I got a text that said, Nick's done. I'm going to fucking ruin him. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? I had to go pee, and I'm like, I'm, I'm dying. You're not my I dad. Then he's like, he literally was mad about it. Because I obviously, I don't challenge stuff. him enough. Apparently, I don't challenge the sauce enough. I want to see kids he's get mad. strangled. He's mad at Nick. He's going to get you. Bitches can't get enough of my stuff. Just saying. So that's the real wrestler. Loy Sauce will fucking, he'll fuck you up. He's scrappy. Thing. He'll fuck you up. He'll bring sweatpants to distract you. Sorry, guys. Sweatpants <laughs> is his dog for anybody okay. who doesn't know. No, no worries. No worries. With 607 in the house, home love right here. That's right, home baby. Love. That's right. With these motherfuckers right here, seriously, so happy. Although I'm and leaving, proud to have you guys here. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Uh, beautiful, dreary Endicott uh, at the end of the year, but still. Guys, he's going yeah, to Ithaca. Oh. He's going to better waters. He's going to a better, beautiful. <laughs> <land>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, no. 
Michelle donated another $50, said somebody help her out with the Drew shot because we only have $205 to go until Drew Hallam has to do another shot of moonshine, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 205 to go to get to $18,000 for the Cancer Research wow. Institute for a future wow. immune cancer. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so, so much. Yes, thank you all for the donations. So I believe you're back up on number two. Two, two is easy because there's one you mentioned earlier. It was the Ding Dongs. Yeah. We talked about them already. So, so my number two was a great wrestler, but an absolute awful gimmick, and that's the model Rick Martel. Oh, God. I mean, first... oh, that gimmick. Get the fuck out of here. Get that... Number two? <laughs> Are you fucking serious? No. You're going to give the model he's being, a number he's... two? Well, he yeah, had dude, the bottle of arrogance, and that's how he's winning. Dude, you see his body? Whole... You see his physique? Fucking Rick Martell, oh, yeah, great. yeah, no, I mean, Rick dude, Martell, the wrestler, great. <laughs> I, I would literally, I would that. literally. Yeah, but we're talking the gimmick. The, the I mean, gimmick's he's great. The ring with like pesticides, like I mean, that's what they're doing, dude. I am, compl- like, I can't agree with you. Can't agree with you. I love Rick Martell. The, the no, pink like handkerchief, the, the pink handkerchief around his fucking neck. Are you serious? And like it goes the gimmick, in there. The, the model like can yeah, can I, I, I got could, you, like, man? I got you. Yeah, I'm I'm there with the you. Like, Justin's like, just like, envious. I'm not just envious. <laughs> Listen, it was the gimmick fit. Unlike a lot of the gimmicks these awesome dudes have been talking about in their lists, this one fit the '80s perfectly. And hear me out. Yeah. They know what I'm talking about. That was a gimmick that actually fit perfect in with the Miami Vice crowd. You know, like he had the Ooh. look, dude. He was tanned he had the sharp jaw the italian hair slicked back and that pink fucking dude hit yeah his thong as pink as it was dude i had pictures of Rick martell on my fucking wall at that age in like 90- michelle with a 50 dollar donation a different michelle than the previous donation with a with a 50 dollar <laughs> donation uh she's been absolutely all over the event since the very very beginning thank you so much another 50 dollar donation we're trying to make drew hallam drink Julio from the Contrarian, Why ten dollar to... donation. Poor, uh, poor Drew. Poor and he Drew, said, poor he said, Drew. I think he said Ken Maney bags. I'm pretty sure that's what he, that's what he said in the in the message. Uh, money bags. Ken money bags. Wait a minute, let me refresh it. Uh, Ken money bags. There it is. Yep, Ken money bags. But as you're saying, like yes, uh, Rick Martel was a great gimmick. I feel like for the time, so I will have to disagree with you guys. In terms yeah, of like, I was gonna say, I even disagree. I like Rick Martel. No, like I said, yeah, I like the gimmick. See, I got I, you, Ken. Like he kept dude, I mean, he, he wasn't like, even that lean. Old. He wasn't even that ripped. He wasn't like the Stallone of the era. But he had a great physique, and I think what he did in the ring was fine. I got he you, Ken. He wasn't nearly one of the worst. Justin just all. wants to suck him off. Dude, <laughs> shut up. Go back and watch. I've been, dude, I've been watching matches. I, I knew I was gonna be prepared for this episode or this whatever this segment, whatever the fuck. This is a big deal to me, especially when it comes to wrestling. Listen here. Oh, yeah. Don't try to fuck with me about wrestling, Mr. Skins. <laughs> I'm saying Ooh. Martel, great wrestler <laughs> for his time. And oh, yeah. One of the like, best, oh, yeah, yeah. One of the best bodies. One of the best bodies. Correct me yeah, if I'm wrong. Like I said, I, I just, it was just he kept using the pesticide. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I loved how much one... oil dripped off his chest, too. I love that. <laughs> My number one, just to get us out of the, the worst gimmicks, is Colonel De Beers. If you're not familiar with Colonel De Beers, he was in the AWA. He was in the UWF. He was a South African general who refused to even let the African-American referee rough his matches. 
And that was okay for TV in the 1980s. So, and he wasn't a very good worker. He tried to, he tried to be the uh, Sergeant Slaughter, if you will. He even used the Cobra clutch and he just wasn't. Yeah. yeah no, I, I fully agree with you on that. He was just imitation, <laughs> just bad slaughter and just around. completely got worse. Uh, what's your number one? So my number one, not only was he the worst gimmick in wrestling, but in the 80s, but also one of the worst movies ever. Zeus, no holds barred. Get the fuck out of here. Come on, Debo. Are you serious? Oh. Where's my oh, buck, man. punk? The gimmick. Where's my the buck, gimmick. punk? I'm going with the gimmicks. I know, but dude, here's the thing. I, I know enough backstory. I know that he was a terrible wrestler. I know that he had no trading. He was a terrible mm. wrestler. That yeah. he actually was only in there f- from the movie, but he mm-hmm. had the, the physique and all that stuff. But, dude, you're going to give Debo for real? <laughs> he had nothing to do with any of that. You know me. Debo would have been a better gimmick. But some of these but, motherfuckers on this list you guys gave, and I know you know, helped pick their gimmicks or they approved on it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Lester, Tiny going. Lester walked in and was like, yo, motherfucker, I don't give a shit. I'm in this movie. I'm being paid. 1.5 million for the movie and to be I know that he's doubted as one of the worst wrestlers to ever show up in WWF for the small time that he was there but dude he's still got a great physique thank and- you so much to everyone who purchased merchandise from two girls on a bench a $20 donation from their merch sales toward the cure toward the goal 17875 now we're $125 away from making Drew Hallam drink more alcohol Nice. Drew, we got to get you so hammered you can't walk, bro. Maybe I'll <laughs> donate the rest of my savings without my wife knowing. All right. We'll so see. with that being said, with all the controversy you brought, yes. let's go into the, the greatest. So what we, our opinion is the greatest wrestlers, gimmicks, wrestlers, whatever you want to say of the 1980s. All right. So kicking off for me is number 10, Dusty Rhodes. The American Dream, WCW. Holy How shit. How can you go wrong with him? And then when he comes to WWF. 10? Oh my god, but holy fuck, dude. You're talking about one of the best wrestlers that have ever stepped into the ring and it's at number 10. I actually I'm glad you included him, but I mean like on most lists, I'm shocked to hear him outside of the top 5. Yeah. Well, Dusty, see, the top 5 for me like putting it together was actually really tough to do, but I said I got to get Dusty on there cuz I mean, for what he did with WCW. I mean, the WWF stuff it just never really carried over except for the polka dots. But when he was in WCW, he was the guy there. I mean, he paired him with Nikita Koloff, and they were doing great things against the Horsemen. So he's got to definitely earn that place on there. But I, but for me, I just have him just out in like the seven to ten discussion. But I have some other people ahead of him. I appreciate my number I mean, ten. I... Oh, sorry. No, okay. My number ten though was the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Uh, he never became champion. Uh, a lot of guys on this list never became champion, but he never the Million became Dollar Champion. champion. But he was the million dollar champion. He was he one had of the, the best coolest belt, the though. And he was a great worker. Yeah. I mean, how more 80s can you get than him looking like Richie Rich every time he came to the ring? He couldn't get his own belt. <laughs> Never and in he shape. He bought either. his own belt. Like, he literally Dude, yes. he, made his oh, own God, belt that looked way better than I met him at a hotel, WWE. right? I met him at a hotel the mm-hmm. first time ever. I walked up to him and I was like, I literally was about to say, like, how much. I loved him growing up. He just turned to me and said, I know what you're going to say. He shook my hand real nice, like a gentleman and said, if you want anything, the prices are over there. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Literally, this is him in the hotel lobby. Like I knew he was at the convention, but I was like, I just wanted to walk up and like 
I was just waiting in line. Icon. And the fact that he said it to me that way, he had the beard, the hair, everything. The hair was teased like a motherfucker, like a bird. I was like, mm. he, <laughs> like uh, we bird. once had him in a, we once had him in a locker room. To, uh, he was doing a locker room discussion before uh, the show. Uh, he told us about the 1980s and about how much fun he had in the 1980s. Told us how great the drugs and alcohol and the parties were. And then told us all that we should stay away from drugs and alcohol because it's horrible. <laughs> he's he, a great guy, he, though. He, it was just kind of funny. Like, well, funny like, you oh, mentioned that because it was, it was only four. It was four years ago, and he was at the fucking bar at Monster Mania <laughs> in New Jersey at Cherry Hill. Right. Right. The, the problem is he also went out drinking with us that night, but the funniest thing there ever it is, was he was there just it like, is. there it is. You know, it was, it was just like, he was a nice guy, though, but it was just funny. Like, y'all, you don't want to waste your lives away. <laughs> He's amazing. Uh, so what's your number nine? On uh, number nine, we already kind of mentioned earlier in the show, Bam Bam Bigelow that I think vastly underrated for what he did in the 80s. I know he gets buried a lot. He could move for a big man. Mania, but he was real fast, Nick. He was real. Yeah, he could move mover, for a big man. man. He had, he had I, some I love great... watching him wrestle, man. He was, he was a great in-ring performer the... for a big guy. Yeah, and for the video game, he, he was the only person who could do the cartwheel. And he, for a big guy, he was actually so agile. Like, people really forget about how talented he was. And went, like Rich touched upon, too, he never blew up in a match. He was always had cardio for days. And then he even got better even this time running an ECW. I mean, after. honestly put it on a list right now compare him to uh, the other big guys of the era you got he worked with yoko i mean he worked with a bunch of people from that era no one else w- was as quick as bam bam was facts he was always yeah. that point my number nine i went to japan because i watch a lot of japanese wrestling and i uh, was one of the four musketeers and that's masahiro chono uh big fan of masahiro chono uh, a lot of american fans only knew him from his brief stint wcw and the nwo uh, but if uh, you ever watch any Japanese wrestling, dude was phenomenal having matches all the way into his 50s and still actually being able to get it done. So I- I'm a big fan of uh, the Chono. Yeah, Chono I still solid. remember. I still remember when they brought him into NWO because I mean, literally, they had to make literally everyone a part of the NWO at that point. Oh, it was yeah. like Jesus Christ. Yeah, the Japanese faction, the NWO, is just bad, and then they were doing it in New Japan too. Uh, but I mean, at least that brought him and moved it to the light, but it, uh, like in the 90s, but it was just kind of like, uh, they were so much better than that. if you watch his matches with Kenta Kobashi from Japan, New Japan in particular. Amazing. He also has some great matches with Misawa, some great matches with Keiji Muda, some it, it, all around Chono is one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time when it's all said and done. Yeah. And to start in the 80s with all the other greats there, it was awesome. Eight. All right. So next or up. Nine. Up. Sorry. No, you're no, that's my, my uh, ravishing Rick Rude. That I, that I think for what he brought as a heel, just absolutely amazing from everything. Just a little nuances we always talk about that really sell a story. You look back at his feud with Jake Roberts, and I know I mentioned this on the Fight in a Comic stream, the director talking to wrestling. How good was he of getting the crowd to boo the absolute crap out of him, and yet he still would tell the great story. He had the Jake Roberts. I mean, that his like wife said, on his tights. His wife on the tights. I mean, he was just so inventive for what he was doing with – his character and like i said he actually wrestled the ultimate warrior to a good match oh yeah he gave him his best uh match as champion the ladder match they, or not ladder match the cage match sorry that they had a SummerSlam. yeah that was the best match that that he had as champion outside of that not very many great matches for the ultimate warriors championship run yeah exactly i would love uh, to hear you guys' eight. opinions after are you guys going to do an episode on the dark side of the ring episode versus the a and e documentary about the ultimate warrior uh, I actually, I, we should. I, I think we probably will. I also would like to bring in some of the other, like 
The Ultimate Warrior is an interesting, like, to not go too far off of your, like, like when you look no, at No, I, like, I didn't mean to bring it up, but I, but, I, but I wanted to bring it up since it was on subject yeah. because those both, th- both those two different, completely different versions of the story are coming out at one time, which is very unlike any of the other documentaries and, coming and the, out. I just wanted your part, opinion on this. Well, the weird part about it is they're both true. So WWE yes. is, is is working with A and E, and they're they're just showing the good sides of the Warrior. The dark side of the ring is 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 still very much really true. The the Warrior after he left wrestling, if you will, he went on to do some of these really crazy speeches that are on tape that you can find to this day. Yeah, Motherfucker was really bananas. That's what I'm saying. So I, I'm curious yeah. to see what they'll include. Um, and I wish that we had more time on oh, here to talk about the Randy Savage. Oh, definitely. Hit, hit piece and when, all that stuff. After, after, after Dark Side of the Ring airs, I, I definitely would like to talk about, like, discuss both of those. Because I would like to see what exactly they talk about. They're both on yeah. this week, too. I was just yeah. curious. I just brought it up because I've been thinking about it all day, actually. Because I just watched the trailer the moment that yeah. I woke up this morning. Because I'm like, I'm ready for that shit. My wife's like, no ultimate <laughs> warrior. Yeah. And she yelled you? at me about it, but whatever. Oh my goodness, a donation from the parents of one Mr. Drew Hallam, $100 donation. Thank you so, so much, Drew. We are now $25 away from $18,000. Thank you so much, Drew's parents. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So, oh, it's my number eight. Yeah, your number eight. I got lost there. My number eight is actually Kerr Hennig, Mr. Perfect. He started off in the 80s there as the tag team partner with Greg Gagne, talking about that. Then he morphed into a tag partner with Scott Hall, becoming the AWA champion, moving to WWF to become Mr. Perfect. Uh, one of the greatest, with Rick Rude, two of the guys who were some, two of the greatest one guys. One of the greatest workers of all time, in my title. opinion. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I love uh, they're, they're They're two guys that should have been WWF champion. If not for Hulk Hogan, they probably would have been WWF champion. Uh, I mean, remember, they teased Perfect. Perfect technically won the belt although he cheated, and then they, they took it away, and that's why he smashed the belt, which is not the same one that was a hardcore belt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, Kurt Henning, man. Kurt Henning was actually my number seven. And there well, it is, ladies and gentlemen. Rick Rude. Yes. So my number seven was Rude, your number seven was Henning. $25 so donation from Jared Taylor to put us at $18,000, yeah, right ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jared. Oh, yeah. Destruction yeah. in human I mean, form. The best yeah. dude on the planet. I still, Henning, to podcast Rob's point in the chat, he said there's not one wrestling fan from the 80s who did not try to spit slap a piece of gum. I still do that. I still I do say, that I when do I chew gum. Guilty. I also still do the thing with the, because I use a lot, of, as a fat guy, I use a lot of sweat towels. So I, I do the, I still try to do the behind the back toss with the towel too to my other hand. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'd yeah. love to but challenge. I mean, Henning was just personified 80s. Just, oh, I yeah. mean, everything. The big excess videos for his vignettes. I mean, how clutch were those? And then in the ring, did amazing work and could get a great match out of anybody. Yeah, great physique. And like I said, amazing it's a shame physique. That him and never got great the title. look. Um, I feel like mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, one of the best gimmicks in WWE slash WWF history. But he never got like yeah. the just do that he should. I think. I mean, I think when I grew up, I got to see him once as Mister Perfect one time in Binghamton. Um, but it was one of those moments that I felt like I saw a larger than life personality mm-hmm. in that ring that could work. Like I'd never seen anything like that in my entire life. And I, much like a Bret Hart or a, a Ric Flair, if you will, um, someone that really their performance is the most important thing. And I'm very satisfied to be able to say that I've seen him 
as Mr. Perfect or Kurt Henning, if you will. But um, he just never, I, it, it sucks to see him not get like, I don't see dudes walking around at wrestling conventions wearing Mr. Perfect shirts. Like there should be more of that in my opinion. So I apologize for facts. I agree. But great yeah. pick. So skip to your number six then, because uh, we did cover six, six, eight and seven. We just flip-flopped them. So my number six was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That for what he did in that in the 80s, and let's talk, he was in arguably the greatest WrestleMania match of all time with the Macho Man Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3. Three. You one have to look at his entire ever, body right? work. Yeah. yeah. And you have to look at what he did there. And then when he even had his run in WCW, Chi-Town Rumble with Ric Flair and the legendary matches they put on, it wasn't even on pay-per-view. No. The Clash of the Champions. It was amazing. I mean, he just personified just being solid in the ring and the storyline that was going with Savage too. Like, like, just top to bottom, he just brought out a lot of good matches and people. And like I said, even when they gave him like the repackaging where he came with the Kimono Dragon, Mm -hmm. still didn't really hurt him because he still was just arguably... I had a picture on my wall with him holding that shit. Yeah, I mean, like that was, <laughs> yeah. but no, I mean, I, I go back to that Macho Man uh, match because that was one of the first matches I saw as a, a young child. I was at my cousin's house, my uncle's, my first time ever, and they had had it taped. And when I went over there, they said, oh, you like wrestling. Justin likes wrestling, so put this on. It was that match, the Ricky Steamboat WrestleMania three match with Randy Savage. And that's how I got invested in wrestling from oh, that yeah. era i had never seen any right. of that stuff because obviously they're, they're not like re-showing that stuff on tv at the time the nick mm-hmm. just leave yeah <laughs> oh shit all right well proceed boys sorry all right so uh my my number six took me back to japan greatest junior heavyweight of all time jushin thunder liger facts I mean, legendary career. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame with the, in spite of the fact he only wrestled one time in WWE. Uh, in NXT against yeah, Tyler NXT, Breeze. Yeah. Uh, he's also like, he's won more IWGP junior heavyweight titles than anybody, won more tournaments all over the world. And of course, he was the very first match on Monday Nitro, him and Brian Pillman. I always forget he's in the 80s. Like, yeah. For some reason, I just have him pegged in the 90s. But no, I mean, that's an excellent pick. And for what he's done throughout the years, just amazing career top to bottom like you said him and pillman those matches oh yeah incredible so yeah no argument about that for me uh number five i had roddy roddy piper you know what i'm gonna spoil it i had roddy roddy piper as well number five yeah no better guy could talk in the mic in the 80s and piper greatest heel in the business gave us the stereo what the stereotypical heel should be great talker great worker uh made a bunch of money uh he's the what he's Probably the reason, as he points out, more so than Hogan at times, they sold WrestleMania 1 because more people wanted to see him get his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about it, most hated guy. I mean, no matter where he went, whether it was down when he was wrestling in uh, Texas, playing La Cucaracha for the Guerrero family yep. on the bagpipes, and or whether it was in New York, uh, you know, going after Hogan and T and uh, some of the crazy shit he said about Mr. T. Then he flipped the script, became a great actor, became a face. Had a great match with Adrian Adonis at WrestleMania three, mm-hmm. uh, and just the eighties were great for him. One yeah. of the best heels of all time. Oh, facts. I mean, just legendary career and just really put the persona of a, just over top character. Oh, there. absolutely. Who'd you have for number four? Number four, I had Hulk Hogan. Yeah, no, I struggled with Hogan. I ended up not. 
I ended up not putting Hulk Hogan on my list. I struggled with it. I was a huge Hulkamaniac when I was a kid. At this point in juncture, I feel like Hulk has done as much good for the business as he did is now done bad for the business. And I, I just can't get over that sometimes with Hogan. But see, like my thing was, I was, I was a big Hulkamaniac. I, I was trying to think of wrestlers in the '80s and. He was the guy in the 80s, I mean, for WWF. So he, I, I just put him in there for the body of work that he did there and left it there. Oh, absolutely. I uh, My number four, though, I, is my last pick from Japan. Of course, I'm a big Japanese wrestling fan. But this guy also made an impact in the States in the 1980s as well. And that was Keiji Muda, a.k.a. The Great Muda. And, of course, everybody remembers his legendary matches in WCW from the States in the 80s with Sting, as Sting was on his rise and into the 90s. And, then of course, also Muda in Japan is just con- completely a legend. Uh, one of the greatest gimmicks to ever be seen, whether he was just being Keiji Muda, the wrestler, or painting himself up to be great Muda, the new mass and everything, just larger than life. When you talk about a larger-than-life wrestler, the great Muda is that. Yeah, so. and then when he came over to WCW and the feud he was having with Sting and just really transcended just coming from Japan to just being the international superstar that he was. Then we had that round robin pay-per-view where he had matches yeah. with Sting, Flair, and I do believe Terry Funk. Uh, yes, because that was the infamous, uh, yeah. like, after the bag incident. Yes. Yeah, so he really just transcended and just could... The matches he did, I mean, all of them were great. Like, I, I don't remember ever watching a bad Muda match. No, there. I don't think there's anything such as a bad Muda match. No. Number three, Ken. Number three, I had Ted DiBiase. Now, you might say it's a little high, but we're talking 80s wrestling. And what better villain in the 80s than the rich guy that was challenging everybody? Everybody's got a price doing the vignettes with the fans where he's kicking the ball out of people dribbling and and just basically just being the ultimate heel in the business and the over the top excess too. million dollar man made a million dollar belt was buying the championship. At one point, he bought off Andre to get the belt. I mean, he was just a perfect heel. And like I say, for the 80s, he he just stood out for that. Uh, my number three was Ricky Steamboat, man. In the 1980s, he's I, he's in all he's in the two best matches from the 1980s, in my opinion. The him him versus Savage and him versus Flair, uh, going back and forth. I'm with Ric Flair on this. The reason why he's not he doesn't place higher than Ric Flair to me, and you'll see that in a minute, is because he didn't work heel. Hmm. Uh, if you would have gone back and done, you know, he could have worked heel. I mean, I think he could have been on the same level as Rick. Yeah, but because not, you know, but he's still an amazing wrestler. Make that everybody look like gold, and in two of the greatest matches of the decade. Oh yeah, I mean Steamboat's just legendary, and like I say, just for the, like this little short amount of times, we still talk about his matches as being in the greatest of all time. So he has to have that high of a spot. Absolutely. Like I say, a lot of people kind of forget about him because he wasn't an overtop character, but he didn't need to be. No. And like I say, Savage Steamboat still stands the test of time. You can watch oh, it on today, and it still goes. Uh so my number two. I had the Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm just going to spoil this. Our number ones and twos are flipped. Oh, they are? Okay. Yeah, so but, go continue. <laughs> but Macho Man Randy Savage, what else can you say about a guy that lived the persona, was the over-the-top character, but yet in great matches did look like a million bucks? The promos he would cut, the cream rises to the top. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, how many times do you find yourself Ooh, doing that? Yeah. And, and just in just – yeah, I mean, you can't go away from that. And just the legacy he's left with that. Just being that guy that I think just overshadows Hogan. That, I mean, I think that he is has Hogan in his shadow, I should say. Mm-hmm. Because for what Savage did and just getting the better matches out of the, every opponent he did. And I always say, use the Warrior comparison. I oh, mean, he true. actually got the Warrior to a four-and-a-half-star match. That's true. Uh, my number two is Ric Flair. Uh, the Ooh. Nature Boy... 
amazing wrestler what can you say great gimmick we opened up the 80s and we were running towards his first title reign that would be followed by the flair for the gold and the invention of starcade to then go on to have legendary matches in the 1980s with everybody from sting to the great muda to ricky steamboat to uh rick rude him and rick rude started a feud in the 80s right before it turned into the 90s and it's it's an interesting uh, world it, it, mind you in the beginning of the 80s the nwa was still a very big thing you're running around the country he's got the von eric matches one of the biggest you know sellouts in, in stadium mm-hmm. history uh texas stadium him and carry von eric for the nwa world title so it's not like like flair was you know flying around and living that deal doing six you know broadways a week hour-long matches to no finish but uh he's amazing one of the greatest of all times one of the greatest characters of all times i mean come on and how many guys who started wrestling in the 70s have rappers writing rap songs about them? Exactly. Ric Flair transcends pro wrestling. He is a cultural icon. He is the guy that put WCW on his back in the 80s. And no matter if you put him in there with Ronnie Garvin, Michael P.S. Hayes. I for, I never forget that match on uh, uh, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Hour-long match. And it was a great match. And then he could go wrestle into the top echelon guys with Dusty and Nikita Koloff. And even Luger, he got a great match out of Luger. I know. Like that was after Bruce, Bruiser Brody no sold Luger. Yep. <laughs> In one of the more infamous moments, but Flair was just that guy, and everybody he was around on promos he made better when he started the Horsemen, and really took that group from being Oli's group and made it his own, and really just ran the '80s decadence feel up to where it, nobody else could go near him. That's why he was your number one. Yeah, that's why he was my number one. And like I say, my number one was Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, in the 80s. But you could flip for the same reason. You could flip the you know same reason. Both guys had great matches. Both of them transcended wrestling. Both of them have became larger than life. Uh, to this day, you know, once again, they're the guys that you hear about from the 1980s. Even you know, obviously Hulk Hogan's kind of destroyed his legacy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. But they're the two guys from the 1980s who, when people talk about them, still talk about them <laughs> in high regard. And. Uh, <laughs> What what on earth? <laughs> is that? I don't. I, I I'm I'm guessing that's Justin's mic. That's Justin's mic still being live. I don't know. I think Danielle. What just happened? I'm gonna narrate it. I think Danielle just tackled him, and he's on the floor, and she's beating the shit out of him, and he's just flailing around, begging, begging. No, no. Now he's got the whipped cream. Now it's getting kinky. <laughs> Shit. Here's a question for you guys. Here's a question for you guys. Uh, uh, in terms of Hogan, I can hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I, yeah, we we got we got to mute him because he left his mic on. Um, but yeah, here's a question for you guys. Uh, Hulkster or Hollywood Hogan? Like which Ooh. gimmick? Which gimmick do you prefer? I mean, obviously you can't have one without the other. Like you can't right. like Hollywood. Like Heel Hogan could not have been as powerful or as great as he was without the Hulkster. But which one do you like more or prefer more personally? Personally, I'm a bigger fan of Hollywood. I mean, I grew up as a Hulkamaniac too. I want to preface that like hardcore Hulkamaniac. Like I cried when he lost to the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania six. As a child, I cried because I had never seen Hulk Hogan lose in my life, like fairly lose yeah. up until then. But like he was so much a better character as Hollywood. Yeah, I got I gotta agree. I think that he was more the persona of Hollywood than he was the actual Hulk. Oh yeah. And I think that it came out <laughs> in that character. I mean, just to think about when he did that heel turn 
and just how much that caught everybody by surprise. Yep. And then he just ran with it. And for a lot of people, it just took a while to sink in. But he just kind of felt more organic to him. That was, like, really him. Yeah, I agree. I Julio think said, uh, yeah, I Julio said we were so close to hearing Justin have sex, which, to be fair, I feel like any EFG listener has already heard in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I'm, I'm, I want to unmute him on, on one hand, but on the other, I'm scared. Here, let's, 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 let's check in and let's see what's going on. It was so sweet it gave me a fucking headache. <laughs> now, and I think he was just talking about semen there. All I heard was it was so sweet it gave me a headache. The secret garden, Jesus! What kind of kink is this? Uh, a lot of love in the chat for Hollywood Hogan as well. I would have to agree. I just oh, wanted yeah. to, I just wanted to pitch that one at you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that I didn't hear anyone bash one of my most hated '80s wrestling gimmicks, which is uh, the Big Boss Man. I fucking hate the Big Boss Man. God uh, in heaven. Uh, I don't know. Boss Man, I mean, Boss Man, was, it was a pretty bad gimmick. But I don't know. For some reason, I, I always find him on the cusp of being enough entertaining. I don't think he was as bad as his I feel like it was a worse. I, I feel like it didn't. I, I, Ray Trailer, I feel like, was better than that gimmick. I, I just feel like that oh, gimmick yeah. didn't oh, yeah, do him any favors. Can yeah, we get some love like for me, the one, two, three kid, says Drew Hallam. But he was 90s, though. 90s, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, night, let's see. Did anyone mention Andre the Giant? I think Andre the Giant. You got he's seventies. I would think I, I, that comes out yeah, of the seventies. Yeah, he was late seventies. So he, by then, by then, I don't think like the, it wasn't a bad gimmick for Andre, but Andre couldn't do any. By the time he came into the eighties, he was crippled. Like yeah. the fact that he did that, he was he fresh off a of back surgery. Yeah, no, fresh off back surgery. Yeah, WrestleMania three, we got slammed. Yeah, he was like right off back surgery. Like that's just sad to think about. Like, but but other than that, I mean, you got to remember he was a like a cultural icon in the seventies though. Yeah, like big time. So no. I don't know. I, I that's why I went to get there. I, yeah, I did mention Akeem. That's right. So wizard. He's he's. Yeah, Joey DeCarlo's here. It's time so to end the stream. <laughs> 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 I tried to unmute 90s. Justin again, yeah. but then he then he just disappeared. So I, I I don't know if him if him and Danielle are just in the throes of passion or or whatever's going on. I'm not uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to look at any other. M for verbal diorama said after 15 months of lockdown, someone needs to be getting some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, Danielle's secret garden is getting a visit right now. Justin's Justin. <laughs> so this this movie cocktail that Dave made, I mean, it had whipped cream, grenadine. At least I don't know how Justin made it exactly, but it had chocolate syrup, whipped cream, and grenadine. So it's literally just like a, a, a sugar bomb. Uh, I didn't prepare it the way that David did because my whipped cream I made yesterday for the chaffles that had monk fruit sweetener, so no sugar. And I didn't use chocolate syrup, and I used raspberry sauce I had myself. I made myself. Uh, so I'm sure that, the I don't know, maybe sugar just does something weird to Justin, and he's like, <laughs> got a raging heart on and chasing Danielle around the apartment right now. I don't know what's going on. It's any it's anybody's guess. All that uh yeah, Joey DeCarlo, when are we getting our E thought dance? When, when when are we getting that on TikTok? I want to see that. When is that happening? Oh, that's right. We hit fifteen thousand. Oh yeah. We we hit fifteen thousand, so he promised us another E thought dance. I'm waiting for that. Oh. Oh nice. I'm eager for that. But I mean, at any at any rate, Rich, Ken, um, you know, hometown boys once again. 
Um, but uh, let the let the ladies and gentlemen out there know is I mean he he's literally the most active person on social media that you will ever meet in your entire life. I swear to God, it's shadows shadows of 2016. Uh, you know the birth of Potter and family. Nick is is about what I swear to God he lives and breathes the stuff. Uh, but uh, let let the people out there know where they can find you guys out on the web. So uh, three fat nerds podcast anywhere you get podcasts three fat nerds eight one two two productions dot com for all the information we are on all the social medias I'm not as I'm not as big as Ken but uh, like as far as like getting out there but I I do a, a, he's he's my coach in my ears kind of like a trainer that tells you just to keep trying to keep up a little bit and I try to get better at it but we're on all major social medias three fat nerds pod uh, some way shape or form whether it's at three fat nerds pod or just three fat nerds pod it's one of the two depending upon which social media you're on. Uh, we also find us over at twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. Myself and Ken pretty much live there uh, every Thursday night, uh, usually at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, unless we can go early. And that, of course, is the wrestling show we do, talking all things pro wrestling. Uh, this upcoming week, we'll be previewing AEW's uh, Double or Nothing. I do know that's going down. And there's some wrestling news, as always. Every, every week, there's a ton of wrestling news. So we're talking about all the latest. Also over there at twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. We did uh, movie night last night for the first time. We're going to yep. continue to do that. We did The Last Dragon. Uh, we do the UFC fights. All sorts of great stuff coming up. I also think we're doing what? We're live streaming during live reactions and commentary only for uh, Double or Nothing as well. As yeah, so we'll be doing the live reactions. No video, unfortunately, uh, next Sunday, the 30th, for AEW Double or Nothing. So you know it's going to be a lively chat because you know we, uh, we have a lot to say about AEW during the week. So you definitely want to swing on by, drop the follow for that. And for me, if you want to follow anything going on with Padawan J, Coach Duffy, and myself, please on, swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on Facebook, on Twitter, where I basically live, at OD Parlay Hour, Instagram, Not basically. TikTok. <laughs> no, he lives. He lives there. Yeah, that is my address. So if you need to send an email, that's where I pick Son up. Son of a bitch. But yeah, so swing on by because you know, I like promoting podcasts. I believe in the podcast community. It's been very gracious to me and my show for coming in and just all the friends and experiences we've made. So it's my honor and privilege to promote everybody. And I try hyping up a lot. So if I don't know you, let's get to know each other, shall we? So you want to swing on over. Easiest way to go over there is odphpodcast.com. Links are right there. So just click on like, follow, and we'll go from there. There you go. Ken, Rich, thank you so, so much for coming back again. You guys closed out last year for us. You're closing out the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. $18,000. I mean incredible uh incredible you two are incredible and everybody out there who's watching everybody who has supported this event you are also incredible he's already knocking on the door i didn't even call his name yet he just saw the true <laughs> signal flash in the sky for moonshine <laughs> and he's already ready to clock right back in here let's get him in here yeah. everybody loves right. to see drew hallam <laughs> the drew signal flashing in the sky Ken rich much love to you Lady boys guys. thank you so so much for being here and thank you so thank much you. for all of your support you guys are amazing Ken Maney, I mean, Jesus Christ, get some sleep, dude. He, he beats the drum so hard on social media. I don't know how he gets sleep or literally does anything else. Darkness has crept into 
Yeah. 